All right. Acts chapter 27, verses 13 to 26. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, as we continue now in this Bible study that we began last Sunday, we pray, Lord God, that you would bless this part of the service. I believe that all of us were touched and encouraged and blessed, Lord God, by your presence during the worship, during the praise, and even during the prayer time. And now, Father, we pray that you would bless this part of the service. Bless the reading of your word. Anoint it. Give it life. Help me as your servant, Lord God, to to speak it clearly and with authority and with anointing. Lord God, we need this from you. And I I pray that you will organize my thoughts, Lord God, and help me to speak those things that come from you, Lord, and from your heart to the people that I'm ministering here this morning. We pray for all those that are watching online right now that you would bless and encourage and, and help them, Lord God, to be disciplined. Help them not to be distracted by other things around them, Lord God, because they are in their homes, Lord God. So we pray right now, God, that our full attention and heart will be for you for these next few minutes, Lord God. Help us to dedicate them to you. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone said, amen. All right, Acts chapter 27, starting at verse 13. The Bible says this. When a gentle south wind began to blow, they saw their opportunity, so they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. Before very long, a wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster, swept down from the island. The ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind. So we gave way to it and were driven along. As we passed through the lee of a small island called Kaura, we were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure. So the men hoisted it aboard. Then they passed ropes under the ship itself to hold it together. Because they were afraid they would run aground on the sandbars of Sirtis. They lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along. We took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. After they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. But now I urge you to keep up your courage, because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. Those are some pretty encouraging words that the Apostle Paul received. Can you say amen, church, in the midst of that storm? So we began last week by making reference to the fact that we read the whole section from beginning to end. I just took a part of it for today. But we uh, made reference to the fact that this year has started off with a lot 
of challenges. And that's a nice way of putting it. Would you all agree with me? Can you say amen? 2021 is starting off with a lot of challenges. The COVID numbers are still going up. The number of deaths are still going up. The vaccine is taking longer than projected to reach the general population. Not only are we seeing many people in our nation and around the world passing away, but sadly, a lot of our small businesses are also being lost. As I mentioned last week, our schools, our churches, our hospitals, our courts, our banks, our small businesses, our restaurants are all taking a hit in one way or another. And they are all in constant flux because we have to adjust to changing regulations and restrictions. Financially, people are struggling. And uh, right now, many have not paid their rents. Many have not paid their mortgages because they're allowing people not to be able to do that. But eventually, all of this debt has to be paid back. These landlords are going to want their rents paid. These mortgages are going to want to be paid. And all of a sudden, uh, uh, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be in some financial trouble because they're not going to have these lump sums of money to pay back their homes that they live in. So there's going to be some some uh, disastrous living conditions in the near future that we all have to face. This plague has caused many to be depressed, discouraged, frustrated, anxious, insecure, paranoid, fearful, panicky, angry, hurt, in despair, in darkness, and at times, sadly, suicidal. And I believe that we can all agree that what we all saw on Wednesday at the Capitol in Washington, D.C., Washington, D.C. is adding to the pain that we are all experiencing. Things are not getting better. Sadly, church, things are getting worse. As I mentioned last week, America is experiencing a severe storm. You and I are caught up in this storm. But again, as I mentioned last week, for those of us who are in Christ, for those of us who are born again, for those of us who are children of God, for those of us who have learned to trust in Jesus. How many of you are learning to trust in Jesus? Even though we're in this storm, you're learning to trust in Jesus. We can count on God being faithful to take us through this storm, however long it lasts. I literally, sincerely feel sorry for those, have compassion for those that have no connection with God right now. I really do. I mean, when times are good and everything's flowing and everything's stable, you can live your life at peace without God. Yes, that's true. But man, when, our, when things are so unstable and so scary as they are right now, we need the Lord in our lives. And how many of you are thankful that we have Jesus in our lives? Can you say amen, church? Praise God for that. Now, last week we learned that the Apostle Paul was also caught in a very severe storm, where in my opinion, this is just my opinion, based on what Acts 27 verse 10 tells us, it's possible that he thought, he was going to die. Why do I say this? Because in Acts 27, it says, verse 10, it says this. Men, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to ship and cargo and to our own lives also. And then in Acts chapter 27, verse 20, it says this. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. Based on those two scriptures, it sounds to me that even the Apostle Paul might have believed that his life was going to come to an end because of this storm. You see, we learned last week that the crew of the ship 
had done everything humanly possible to try and save their own lives. They were using man's wisdom, their own wisdom, their own experience, their own knowledge, their own skills to try and to save themselves. And they had exhausted all options. Plan A didn't work. Plan B didn't work. Plans C through Z didn't work. And the Bible tells us it lists all the things that the crew did in terms of human strength and human wisdom and human ability to try to save themselves. Verse 15, in verse 15, the the captain and crew basically gave up and gave way to the force and the power of the wind or the hurricane. Things were out of control. The captain and crew had lost control. The ship and crew were at the mercy of this storm or hurricane. In verse 16, they tried to get on lifeboats to a small island called Kauda, but the storm was so severe and dangerous and out of control that they were not able to lower the lifeboats. In verse 17, they passed rope underneath the ship from side to side in order to keep the ship together and to keep the ship from being ripped apart by the force of the storm. They also lowered an anchor and that was not even able to help them. In verse 18, it tells us that the ship was still being severely battered and they threw out their cargo into the ocean. All of their precious, valuable, expensive possessions that were obtained with such sacrifice and hard work and sweat and love were now being thrown out. In verse 19, they threw all the ship's tackle out into the sea. Anything that was not fastened to the ship was thrown out. And in verse 20, the Bible tells us that even after all of this, even after they, even after they had thrown out everything out that was of any value, and after they had thrown out all material goods that were of any importance and necessity, the storm did not stop. The storm did not lighten up. The storm continued to drive them uncontrollably. The ship was still continuing to be battered and destroyed. They didn't know if it was daytime or nighttime because they could not see the sun or the stars. All they saw was darkness day after day after day, at least for two weeks straight. All they saw was darkness. They were not able to navigate or tell where they were because the Bible tells us that they could not see the sky. They were out of control. They were at the mercy of the winds and the waves and the destructive force and power of this storm. They were being driven from place to place and had absolutely no idea where they were or where they were going. Verse 20 tells us that the storm was so bad. The storm was so violent. The storm was lasting so long. The storm was so powerful. The storm was so devastating. It was so destructive, so demoralizing, so scary and dangerous that they lost hope of being saved. And in verse 29, the Bible tells us that the crew and their desperation dropped four anchors. Acts 27, 29 says this, fearing that we would be dashed against the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight. And I wanted to use this as a launch point to point out four spiritual anchors that we can use from this text that will help you and I throughout this year. First of all, let me just say, if you're going to make it, you need God to help you to make it. That's the first thing I'm going to say right off the top. And I wanted to use this. Now let's look at verses 21 through 23 to look at the first anchor that we want to discuss. The first of these four anchors. In Acts chapter 27, verse 21, it says this. After they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, Men, 
You should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. But now I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, verse 23, last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me. Verse 23, the the Bible declares, or Paul declares two things. Number one, he belongs to God. He belongs to God. And number two, God sent an angel to Paul to reassure Paul that God was with him. God was there with the Apostle Paul in the midst of the storm. So we learned that the first anchor for any storm is this. For those of us who belong to God. How many of you belong to the Lord to this morning? For This applies only to those of us who belong to God. Only to those of us who belong to God. The presence of God is always in our life. No matter what is going on, if we belong to God, the presence of God is always with us. That's why that song that we just sang a little while ago, the songs that we sang last week, the beginning and the end, all talked about the presence of God. In these troubled times, you and I, who belong to God, should be grateful that we can say with confidence that God is with us. One of the most strongest verses of Scripture that comes to mind about Christ or God being in us is found in Galatians, which is a book in the Bible that we are studying on Wednesday nights. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, the Bible says this, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Let me say that again. Christ lives in in me. Church, I want you to say it. Christ lives in me. Say it again. Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. We're keeping our eyes on Jesus, not the storm. We're all victims of the storm. We're all being battered by the storm. But our focus is on Jesus, who is in us. Can you say amen, church? who loved me and gave himself for me. Remember, the crewmen had done everything they knew to do. They had tried everything they could do in their own strength, with their own skills, with their own experience, with their own knowledge to save themselves. But it was of no value. If anyone understood how important it was not to put our hope on the things of this world or on our own accomplishments or in our own abilities for salvation, it was the Apostle Paul. For those of you that have been with us in our Bible studies on Wednesday nights, we discussed the fact that the Apostle Paul was not one of the original 12 apostles. Before becoming a Christian, the Apostle Paul was known as Saul of Tarsus. The Apostle Paul was highly trained in theology. The Apostle Paul was highly educated in doctrine. The Apostle Paul was highly skilled in religion and the Jewish ceremonial law. The Apostle Paul was a high-ranking official and leader in the Jewish synagogue and in the temple in Jerusalem. The Apostle Paul was a highly decorated and accomplished man. Before becoming a Christian, Paul saw himself as blameless. He saw himself as totally righteous. He saw himself as pure. He saw himself as a champion of his Jewish 
faith. He saw himself as God's man, God's anointed. He had confidence in himself, in his own abilities, and in his own skills. But then one day, Saul of Tarsus, who later became the Apostle Paul, met Jesus the Christ. He met Jesus the Christ, and he got torn down. He got taken down to his face. And for the first time, the Apostle Paul realized that he was lost. The Apostle Paul realized that even though he was a Jew, a purebred, 100% uncontaminated bloodline Jew, he realized that without Jesus, he was just as lost as a heathen or unbeliever or Gentile. Even though he had the superior knowledge of the law and the Bible, without Jesus, he was just as lost as a man who never even saw or touched the Bible. Even even though he was a scholar without Jesus, he was as ignorant and naive as a heathen. Even though he was on a strict and kosher diet without Jesus, he was just as lost as a glutton and a cannibal. It was If he was married, even though he was completely faithful to his wife, without Jesus, he was just as lost as the adulterer or porn addict. Even though he never knew what it was to party or to get drunk or to get loaded, without Jesus, he was just as lost as the wino or the drug addict and the alcoholic. Even though he was a Pharisee, a leader in the synagogue or church, a man that was respected and had a reputation of being strong and dedicated, passionate, and a defender of the Jewish faith, without Jesus, he was just as lost and guilty as the most cold-blooded, messed up, hardened, cruelest, and harshest criminal that was in jail or prison or the penitentiary. The apostle Paul discovered that he was filled with pride, arrogance, and that he was self-righteous, and he thought he could save himself or earn his way to heaven with his own efforts. The apostle Paul realized that without Jesus, he was on his way to hell fire. He realized that his own righteousness, his own titles, his accomplishments, his achievements did not bring the approval of a holy God. Without Jesus, he was still a sinner. Without Jesus, he was still lost. Without Jesus, he was still on his way to eternal hell. And without Jesus, he was without hope. He could not save himself. Let this be a reminder to all of us. Without Jesus, we are nothing. Without Jesus, we do what we do is nothing. Without Jesus, all of our accomplishments, all of our successes, all of our works, all of our efforts to save ourselves are in vain and they are empty. They are a deception to anyone that considers himself or herself to be successful or prosperous or popular or highly educated or sophisticated or confident, self-made and powerful. One day we will all come face to face with Jesus Christ. And the Bible says we will have to bow. I want you to know it's better to bow right now than later. Bow right now. Christ wants to be in you right now. And when we do, we will all realize, just as Saul of Tarsus did, that we are nothing without Jesus. Without Jesus, all of our successes and achievements and works or titles or human efforts will lead us right to hell fire. You can come before Jesus and show him your diplomas, show him your promotions, show him all your fancy stuff. It's not going to work. The only thing that's going to get you in is the blood of Jesus. The opposite is also true. Maybe you are here and you feel yourself sinking. No matter what you do or try, it results in failure. 
Just like these sailors, these crewmen, this captain. No matter what they tried, it was failure after failure. You have tried everything to fix your broken ship or your broken life. And you feel like you have failed in your education. You have failed in your marriage. You have failed in your job. You have failed as a father or mother. You have failed as a husband or wife. You have failed as a son or daughter. You have failed in your diet or overall health. You feel completely beaten down and lost and hopeless. The storm is raging and it is dark and it is scary. And you have tried everything within your power or energy or experience or skill set or understanding. And you find yourself feeling completely beaten down and lost and hopeless. Well, I want you to know that there is hope. And his name is Jesus Christ. All is not lost. Jesus Christ is still available. And he's saying, Christ in you. What does it say in Colossians 1, 27? Christ in you, the hope of glory. The Apostle Paul realized that Jesus Christ was alive. And that Jesus was alive in him. Listen, no matter how bad things get in your life, no matter how good things get in your life, always remember whatever spectrum you may be living in, it is Christ in you that is a hope of glory. Not your successes. Not your failures, not the good, not the bad, not what you see, but it is Christ in you, the hope of glory. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ that liveth in me. That's what counts. Nothing else. And if you don't have Christ in you, then you don't belong to God. You're out of God's covenant. You're out of God's will. Your life is raging out of control and you are headed for eternal hell and damnation. You need Christ in you to save you from yourself. The Apostle Paul realized that Jesus Christ was alive and that Jesus Christ was alive in him. In our text for this morning found in Acts chapter 27, verses 21 through 23, it says this. After they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. But now I urge you to keep up your courage, because not one of you will be lost, only the ship will be destroyed. Last night an angel of the God to whom I belong, the God to whom I belong and whom I serve, stood Beside me. What is that first anchor? The understanding that because of the cross, we belong to God. You are God's property. You and I belong to God because of the cross. And the presence of God is with us. We just finished the Christmas season. And one of the greatest truths about Christmas is that we learn that one of the names given to the ministry of Christ is Emmanuel. Matthew chapter 1, verses 20 through 23 says this. But after he had considered this, speaking of Joseph, the stepfather of Jesus, after he had considered this, 
an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. Everybody say, Jesus. Say it again. Jesus. Because he will save his people from their sins. He's the only one. Jesus is the only one that can save us from our sins. Not Buddha or Krishna or any other God of this world. Only Jesus can save us from our sins. Christ in you, the hope of glory. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. Because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Church, we belong to God and God is with us. We belong to God and God is with us with us. That is an anchor for your soul for 2021 and for the rest of your life as a Christian man or a Christian woman that you belong to God and God is with us. Joseph, Mary's husband, was in a storm. His fiancée Mary was pregnant but not by him. This was a very serious storm that Joseph was in but Jesus was with him and Joseph was able to survive that storm. We belong to God. Jesus is with us. And we're going to survive this storm, church. You and I who are Christians, you and I who belong to Christ, you and I who are born again have a great advantage over those who are not born again. We belong to God and God is with us. God is in us. We have the presence of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 says this, Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you. The Spirit of God dwells in you. Never forget that God's powerful Spirit dwells inside of you, church. 1 Corinthians 6, 19. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God and you are not your own. Why? Because we belong to God. We belong to the Lord. I have been crucified with Christ. The old Jerry is dead. The old you is dead. Christ lives in you now. You belong to God. Exodus chapter 3 verses 11 and 12. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? And bring the Israelites out of Egypt. And God said, I will be with you, Moses. I will be with you. Yes, I'm sending you into enemy territory, but I will be with you. Yes, I am sending you to a dangerous, into a dangerous situation, but I will be with you. Yes, it is true. I am sending you to a powerful people, the Egyptians, but I will be with you. Yes. They are more numerous than you. You are outnumbered. But I will be with you. Yes, they have weapons of warfare that you don't have. 
They have chariots and horses and swords and spears and bows and arrows. And all you have is this wooden stick. But I will be with you. Joshua chapter 1 verse 5. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Think about that, church. Now, it's easy to accept these words when we're doing good. But what happens when we as God's people, children of God, people who shout hallelujah, people who belong to God, when we sin, when we disobey, when we rebel, when we get ourselves involved with things that we're not supposed to, is God still with us? God says, I'm still going to be with you. I don't like what you're doing. And my spirit is going to convict you about what you're doing. But I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Joshua 1.9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Yes, the storm is raging. Politically, everything is unstable. Everybody's freaking out. No one knows what to do. No one knows what's going to happen. No one knows how long this is going to last. Everybody's getting upset and frustrated and angry and out, of, and, and out of control. But God says this, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord, your God, will be with you wherever you go. You keep your focus on Christ. You keep your focus and your attention and your heart on the Lord. You will belong to the Lord. He is in you and he's going to make a way for you. Don't get caught up with all this madness. Get caught up with the power of God. Listen to what it says in Isaiah 43, 2. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Who does this promise belong to? The people of God. Those who belong to God. And he says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Don't tell me it's not a benefit to be a child of God. Don't tell me it's not a benefit to be born again. Listen, the best place to be is in church, in the kingdom of God, in God's will, following and submitting and honoring and giving glory to God. If the world wants to go to hell, let them. We're going to preach life. Life in Christ. Salvation in Christ. Hope in Christ. You try to get it any other way, you're going to go to eternal hell. And you're going to fall on your face. Matthew chapter 28 verse 20. This is Jesus speaking, and he says this, And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. One good thing about God is he's going to stick closer than a brother. Romans 8.31 What then shall we say in response to these things? To what things? To everything that's going on around you on any given day. 
What thing, what then should we say to these things? Anything that's going on on any day of your life, what then should we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Romans 8, 35 through 39. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors. Through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I want to say one more time. That is in Christ Jesus. Jesus, our Lord, Jesus Christ, our hope of glory. He lives in us. The victory is ours because of Christ in us. Psalm 23, verse 4. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. One last word, and that's to those who don't belong to God, that don't know Jesus. Listen to this. In Acts chapter 3, verse 19, it says this. Repent, therefore, and be converted. What are you waiting for? How bad do things have to get before you surrender your life to God? What has to happen before you surrender your life to God? What has to happen before you bow your knee to God? Repent, the Bible says. Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Don't you want things to change in your life? Do you want to continue to live in this hell, in this crazy, unstable world that we're a part of? Do you want to continue to see all this chaos and be part of it and be sucked into it? God says, you don't have to. Repent, therefore, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing, times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Christ in us, the hope of glory. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Christ wants to live in you. Christ wants to be your hope and your glory. Listen to what Revelation chapter 3 verse 20 says. I don't know if you can pull that up, Vanessa. Revelation 3.20, I'm going to read it out of the New King James. That's the only one I have it memorized in. Revelation 3.20, this is Jesus speaking and he says this. Behold I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him. Jesus wants to come in to your heart, into your life. He wants to be Christ in you, the hope of glory. He wants you to declare, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. He wants to come in and be a part of your life, take over your life. He wants to run the ship. If he runs the ship, it will never be lost. 
I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Colossians 1.27, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Stop pushing God away. Stop rejecting the Holy Spirit. Stop rejecting the one, the only one that can save you. The only solution to your problems and to your heart's aches and to all the issues and struggles of your life. Stop rejecting. Stop pushing them away. He wants to be in you and bring times of refreshing to your life. Acts 27 verse 21. I mentioned this last week. I'm going to close with this. Acts 27, 21. After they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you should have taken my advice or you should have listened to me not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. Let me just say this to you. Every time you choose to reject Jesus, every time you choose to reject God, Every time you choose to not listen to what God has to say, you are creating more damage. You are creating more loss. You are creating more devastation in your life and in the lives of those who love you and care for you. Listen to God. Do what God tells you to do. And times of refreshing. How many of you want to be refreshed here today? Times of refreshing will come to you. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we put down our first anchor, Lord, for 2021. We put it down deep. Though the storm is raging, we declare that we belong to God. And we declare that, God, you are with us. We belong to God. And God, no matter what happens, you will never leave us. You will never forsake us. You will be with us. We can face anything and anyone as long as you are with us. If you're here this morning and you say, Jerry, I am not a Christian. I have never surrendered my life to Jesus. Christ is not in me. He's outside. Right now, he's knocking on the door to your heart and he wants to come in. The only escape is through Jesus. The only way is through Jesus. The only solution is Jesus. The only way that you're going to be refreshed and have any hope is through Jesus. Don't push him away. Accept him. And if you're ready to accept him, just say these words with me. Say, Father... In the name of Jesus, today, I choose to stop rejecting you. And I choose instead to accept you. I repent of my sins. I acknowledge that I have failed you. I acknowledge that my own efforts have not helped me. And so today, I repent. I ask you to forgive me. And today, I willingly 
open the door to my heart. You've been knocking for a long time. But today, I will open. I've shut you out for a long time. But today, I invite you in. I acknowledge that I need you. I need an anchor, a strong anchor in my life to keep me steady and to keep me from being destroyed. So I receive you today as my Lord, as my Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want to pray for the rest of you. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just pray for the rest of the body, those who are in Christ, those who belong to God. Rudy, God bless you. I see you again here. Keep doing this, Rudy. You keep coming to church. You bring your little girl to church. You bring her. You keep coming. Believe me, it's going to make a big difference in your life. Big, big difference. Father, I'm so blessed. Bless all your people here today, Lord. Help us to trust you. Help us to put our faith in you. Help us to walk humbly before you. Help us, Lord God, to be at peace. To be at peace, Lord, knowing that you're with us.